All right, everybody, welcome to The Rambler with your host. That is me, Mike McDonald. I am the host of your show, The Rambler, the podcast where I, an international adoptee, interview other international adoptees and also transracial adoptees, I hope, in the future. Today, we have a very exciting show for you, an extremely exciting show, the, uh, a great show that I am pumped to uh, have you listen to. Uh, today, my guest is the amazing Annalisa Freitas, and uh, she it will be the first non-Korean adoptee on the show. She is a Peruvian adoptee, and she's extremely busy. She has a lot to talk about because she's been doing so much crazy stuff. Uh, so she lives in New York. I got to go to her place in the, uh, the South Bronx, uh, where I enjoyed a delicious meal at a place called Charlie's, if you have a chance to go there. Uh, maybe before or after a Yankees game or something like that, or you just happen to be in the Bronx area, then uh, check it out. Good place. They have a great happy hour special, two for one. And a pretty pretty reasonable steak for $20. In any case, she uh, is on the board of directors for the Gift of Identity, where you can find them at the gift slash of slash, I'm sorry, those are dashes, gift dash of dash identity.org. Uh, but she recommends the Facebook group, at facebook.com slash gift of identity. She's also a senior fellow at the Environmental Leadership Program and blogs at the Natural Resource Defense Council switchboard blog. Uh, she has also started a proving adoptee group called Nuestra Herencia, proving adoptees, and you can find that at www.facebook.com slash proving adoptees. Or if you're on Facebook, just go on the search bar and look for proving adoptees. It's the only group that shows up. Uh, if you're a Peruvian adoptee, you can join the group. Otherwise, you can just like the page. She's also on Twitter at doing the most 247. That's 247 at Voces Analisa, V O C E S Analisa, A N A L I S A, and at F I N Y Analisa. Uh, Finny, Finny Analisa, I guess that's how we're going to pronounce it. And that's all of her Twitter handles. She's also on Instagram, but I'm not going to give it out. You can just listen to the show. Well, just listen to the show, all right? Uh, in any case, we, we talked a lot. We had a great conversation. Uh, I think uh, we decided early on that she's going to start a new podcast, uh, her own podcast called Dinner with Adoptees, where she cooks a nice meal uh, like she did uh, for this show and then has a conversation o- over the dinner with a fellow adoptee. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, she'll get more involved with stuff around New York uh, with AKA up leading up to our uh, 20th anniversary here. In the city, and uh, you know she'll she'll be able to hang out more and get some more uh, international flavor to the uh, to the organization because I think we need that. We need a, we need a lot more different types of people and cultures uh, in our great city of New York to come hang out. And there are there you know we have a lot of people out there. We have a lot of people uh, and diversity in New York, and I think we can we can capture that. We can do it together. So uh, thank you uh, for all the listenership and support of late. Got a few uh, emails and messages. This one comes from Michael in New York, New York. I heard about your uh, interviews due to Jen Kim uh, last week's episode. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go do it. Going back to the email now. And really enjoyed them. Working through the backlist now. Not sure what you do in, quote, real life, but you're a great interviewer. Really tremendous idea and well executed. Thanks for your efforts and keep it up. Well, thank you, Mike M. Thank you, for uh, the support and thank you for listening to the podcast and uh, keep spreading the word. Keep spreading the word out, man. I'm getting a lot of good feedback from uh, a bunch of different people that uh, this is a cool idea and that people uh, seem to like it. They seem to like the show or the format of the show and uh, the idea 
that uh, we can interview. We can interview different adoptees and we have different experiences and everybody has their own story because everybody does have their own story and they deserve to be heard. In any case, I'll be in uh, Philadelphia this week, the beautiful uh, city of Rocky and uh, cheesesteaks and Ben Franklin and Liberty Bell, et cetera, et cetera, and beer, I guess. I'm going to see what kind of beer they got down there. Um, So hopefully I'll be able to meet up with some adoptees down there don't know if I'm going to have time to do an interview uh, with any of them, but, you know, I'm going to try. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do, because I'd love to uh, talk with a Philly adoptee uh, who grew up in that area. Anyways, uh, we're going to get right to it today, and uh, you can enjoy this interview with Annalisa Freitas. Is it going to be weird that I'm eating while this is happening? No, I think it's okay. great. It's so natural. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is dinner time, so that makes sense. It's I just dinner wanna, time. It's I don't be like time. smacking my lips or like. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, go ahead, go ahead. This is this is all about you. So I think if oh, you well. want to eat, we should describe what you're eating right now. Mm, okay. So this these are like roasted mushrooms. This is um yeah, a really basic cremini mushroom. Uh huh. With um. Salt and pepper, uh-huh. and oregano, and garlic. Oh, and garlic. Usually, I didn't even see you throw the garlic Well, garlic in. powder, let's be real. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how I usually make it is that I caramelize the mushrooms, and then I saute with, or like start to stir fry it, I guess, with like salt and pepper, and then uh-huh. I add in butter, and I add in um, like slices of thinly sliced garlic. Uh-huh. Then I'll add in some thyme, and then I'll like... Let it, I don't know. I don't know how to describe cooking. I feel like an idiot right now. I what? put, I put like white wine <laughs> no, in this it. This is great. Yeah. I put white wine in it and then it, like the white wine cooks off. Okay. And then yeah. I eat it. Yeah. But because I don't have white wine right now, I don't have any time <laughs> and I don't have any garlic. I was going to say, I didn't see you throw any of that like in there. Basic it down to just sure. salt, pepper, garlic powder, fake butter, olive oil, uh-huh. and oregano. No, so it looks good. It smells good. I love good. mushrooms. They're the best. Is this like a nightly dinner for you? Is this just like a um, quick thing that you decide that you're going to throw together thing. right now? Yeah. What do you... The broccoli is still cooking, so... Oh, that's right. Yeah, I saw you throw some broccoli in there. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first course. <laughs> How many courses yeah. do you... do? You, are you planning on eating mm, during the I show? <laughs> I, I guess it depends on how long we talk. I eat a lot of food, so... Yeah, so... Uh, I mean, right now I'm eating like two heads of broccoli. So did, did, you said you can't eat any processed food. No, not really. Um, it's really hot. <laughs> well, it just came out of the pan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. Mm-hmm. This is so, great radio. <laughs> know, right? This is so good. So I can, I can eat whatever I want, right? I'm not gonna die. Uh-huh. I'm not. So you're not like allergic. Allergic. To, like, you don't have like a gluten allergy. Technically allergic to really anything. Yeah. However. However. I am very sensitive and like my body is irritated by a lot of things uh-huh so i can give you the whole rundown which you is get essentially like a, like like a tummy like, ache or i usually get um my skin breaks out uh-huh. sometimes i'll get like a stomach ache or i'll feel like bloated yeah. um sometimes i get like really bad phlegm and okay. like this is just great. get like really mucusy up in there uh-huh. yeah it gets yeah. really gross <laughs> is there a specific food that makes you like super mucusy oh yeah dairy absolutely it's, oh, I don't need is dairy it like anymore. a lactose thing it's everything. It's all the proteins in there. You put some like milk casein. in your tea, right? It's almond milk. Oh, it's almond milk. Yeah. Is it like silk? No, it's like whatever Western beef was selling that was super cheap. <laughs> I don't even know what Western is that like a, it's local, a supermarket is, is over local here. Local supermarket in the Bronx. Yeah. Well, South Bronx, Bot Haven. Yeah. Is it just here in the Bronx? In the South Bronx? I think Western beef is in other places in the Bronx, but okay. I couldn't speak to other boroughs. 
Um, I've never heard of Western beef before I lived here. Yeah, I've never heard of it at all. And it's not even like a beef-themed store or anything. It's just... It's just called Western Beef, <laughs> and it grosses me out every single time I shop there. However, the prices are amazing. So are you, does that mean you're technically a vegan? Yeah. Yeah, more or less. I definitely... So you're a vegan I'm that shops at Western cool. Beef. So I'm a vegan that shops at Western Beef and also eats honey. Like, I guzzle honey by Is that, the that's, a, that's off limits for Technically, if you are a quote-unquote vegan, like if you're a pure vegan, yeah. then you're not eating any animal products, which is honey is an animal product. Oh. And you're not wearing, like, anything that's made from the animal. But that's, like, but not, then, like, biological people, to the animal. Like, bees are, like, making that, like, no. it's their job. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's totally their job. It's not, like, <laughs> oh, have my, it's and, not like you're eating think, silk web from a spider. And it's funny that you say that because I think that... A lot of people also take issue with even drinking like almond milk because they're like, we are taking bees and capturing them and forcing them to pollinate trees oh. at an insanely unnatural rate. Is that like a morality and thing then at that, that point? It's not like a diet a, thing. I think that's the vegans that, yes, have a lot of issues with treatment of animals. Uh-huh. I personally did not become vegan because of that. I right. have to say, of course, I obviously love animals. I love beings. I like being a human. I also don't like people hurt me, so I would never intentionally hurt other people. However, I didn't become vegan because I like really love animals. I do think that <laughs> I do think that the the you know the the big ag and like big companies that mass produce meat are uh-huh. do not like they have terrible practices in sure. general. It's super unsanitary yeah, yeah. in addition to being insanely inhumane, but not yeah. just to the animals. And it's inhumane to the people that work there, too. Sure. So there's more than just one issue there for me. And so Uh for me, like I said, I came into veganism in the entry point of my health. Okay. It was my physical health. And then when I, you know, kind of got my physical health together, I was able to learn a little bit more about veganism and a lot of issues that the movement has. And I personally find it really hard to identify with a lot of the white vegans because I feel like that's their thing is like take care of every animal and like don't kill any bee and it feels very isolationist as far as like if you're uh, gonna care for animals and like the environment like they went to the then extreme then it's like did I burn this toast again? I heard a ding but I don't know if you burned it <laughs> it's totally fine <laughs> um, this is now gonna be I think the theme of your podcast is just gonna be like dinner no, I, I dinner with. Guests. I think this is a good dinner theme. Dinner with adoptees. This is a good hey, theme. Hey, don't steal it. That's mine. I need. Are you gonna start a podcast? <laughs> no. I think you should. <laughs> you should start a new podcast called Dinner with Adoptees. That's a great title. That is a great title. Very I catchy. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, so it's that's like my me dinner and my with veganism. Andre. What's that? I don't even know what that it's is. It's an old play. Oh really? I, I believe they made a movie of it, but I'm not even sure. Oh wow. Uh yeah yeah it was an old like Broadway show. Oh, I'm surprised I don't know it. Being such a Broadway yeah, you said kid. you were a theater nerd. What yeah, what, uh, hey, what happened there? You said I was a theater nerd. I didn't say I was a theater <laughs> nerd. You said you used to like to dress up in costume, and you <laughs> no, no that was a like part of the that. job as as a Broadway performer. Well, I can't even say I was a Broadway performer because were you a Broadway? Performer? I was not a Broadway performer. <laughs> I came to New York to try to be on Broadway, uh-huh. um, and I was studying music when I first moved here when oh. I was like eighteen. Um, Because I had grown up, I started singing in church actually when I was like five years old and I was a little munchkin and they did not want to let me in the church choir because I think they thought I was going to be like a crazy five-year-old and like, you know, run around or like not pay attention. And I was Uh like, yo, I just want to sing, you know? And so... (laughs) It doesn't sound crazy at all. (laughs) And so they let me in the choir. So I was the youngest kid in the choir. Uh Um, And I just kept joining choir like through elementary school, high school, um, in choir, or I'm sorry, in college, and then after my first year of college, I was like, I need to assess my situation, and 
if I want to be a professional performer, clearly I'm going to need to work at this 24-7. You know, there's sure, there's yeah. some things that are not, yeah, they're not coming as easy to me. Like, a lot of the composition and theory that I was studying was a little bit tougher for me because I had never really been exposed to that. I did a lot of Suzuki method when I was growing up, so everything oh, I knew wow. was, like, by ear. And then... Um, so could you read music and all that? Or I learned music? how to read music, yeah, when I was in junior high and I started taking piano lessons. Oh, and my okay. teacher taught me how to... She was an amazing teacher. She she taught me how to read music. And um, But, yeah, after my first year of college, I decided that I needed to focus on something else as a career, and I was just going to do music and, like, performing as a side hobby. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Wait, so... You grew up in California, you said? I grew up in California. Which part of California grew up in? Grew up in the Central Valley. What, what? <laughs> CB, Modesto, 209. See, I don't even know where that is. Yeah, it's, it's how East no Coast one knows. I am. No one knows where it is. Even people <laughs> on the West Coast are like, where is that? Modesto. Where is Modesto? Um, it's the county seat of Santa Claus County. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Famed hometown of the Zodiac Killer. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. That was uh, a good like, movie. Yeah, and several <laughs> several other murderers, unfortunately. No, like really tragic. Like the Manson family? I thought that no, was all LA. It's it's actually like pretty tragic. There's a lot of families like our families in our area, it's a small community, so it's really tight knit. So uh-huh. like our, our congressman was caught up. So at it's the like time everybody's was, scarred. Yeah, a little bit. I mean it's like it's one of those things that people kinda joke about, like that's what people that's what we're known for. But right. it's it is actually really serious. Like it's very but sad it's like to sad. me. It's very sad and families have been totally affected by the murders that have happened and sure. obviously our community is so known for just like crime. We're like the meth capital of the world or something. Maybe, Jeez, maybe right. the nation I thought that would be like Alabama or something like that. Maybe. Who knows? But <laughs> there's like a ton of car break-ins in our area because people Jeez. are on drugs wow. and they're trying to get you know money for meth. And it's, so, yeah, it's it's very sad. Like, Well, it, I feel like in some ways that makes the Zodiac Killer seem cool because he seemed so <laughs> methodical and systematic about it rather than like, I killed you for meth. <laughs> oh, my God. I guess it doesn't make as good of a story. <laughs> he was a smart killer <laughs> who <laughs> fooled we'll all the police. Oh, my God. He, the police couldn't even catch him because it was such a yeah. puzzle. Yeah. There's no puzzle about meth. It's just like I'm killing you for meth. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Modesto. Great. So Modesto. Also, some people call it Methodesto. Oh. Some people call it, well. Well, see, now it's not any longer the home of the Zodiac Killer. It's like meth capital. It's Methodesto. home of Annalisa Freitas. No. Um, I don't know if, uh, uh, <laughs> if that's something you're proud of. <laughs> Hey, I mean, I'm proud of it. But no, right, on the flip enough. side, our, our area, we're known for like being the agricultural center of California and really the nation. Oh. We're responsible for like 40% of the nation's food. What? Um, yeah. So our area is very agricultural. I grew up, you know, like I was saying, you can have any fruit that my mom has sent me from California because like, like, I, I refuse fruit. to eat fruit from the East Coast. I make her, wow. send, me, I make her send me citrus from our backyard. No so, like, Floridian yeah. oranges? You know, you oh, don't no, I don't that? like those. No. No, why not? These are Meyer lemons from my front yard. These are grapefruits from my backyard. Tangerines Wait, and are, oranges. That's a lemon? That's a lemon. It's a Meyer lemon. Yeah, they're sweeter than the regular lemons that make like lemonade. This looks like a cross between an orange and... Uh, I don't know what. Like a, it almost looks like a tomato or something. <laughs> like a like a yellow tomato. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, no, those go. I've, never, I've literally never seen a lemon like this. You in should my try life. one. I, I will try open. this with um, vodka there you and go. soda. That works. We have so alcohol. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I grew up like in this town where it was where it was really small and very community knit, and my mom was like a really big part of the community because she did uh-huh. um, a lot of work in family court 
And so oh. a lot of people knew her. And then as I got to be an adult, a lot of my friends went to court to see her. <laughs> for, for their a good reason their, or a well, bad you know, reason? They had kids and then like they broke up with their kids' parents okay. and whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it was like, oh, I saw your mom at court today. You know. It's like, oh, great. Um, but yeah. And then um, there was a lot of other Latinos around and mm-hmm. mostly like Mexican-Americans, Mexican immigrants. I grew up, like, I feel like when I think of California, I think of citrus, and I think of, like, rice and beans. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that was, I feel like that was, like, my culture. Sure. Culturally Mexican, even though everyone thought I was Mexican, because they assumed, just because I was brown and, like, Latina, that they're Uh, like, you're Mexican, and I was like, I'm not, though. All the assumptions. (laughs) So, yeah, you can relate when uh, Koreans are like, oh, you're Chinese. It's Mm. like, no, I'm not. It's like the same thing. People think you're Chinese. Oh, <laughs> do do people think I'm Chinese? Yeah. I mean, uh, it depends on who you talk to. I mean, I think if I went to Chinatown, nobody would. Oh, right. No white person anyways, I see what would you're look saying. twice. I see, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, even other Mexican people thought I was Mexican, too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But, um, well, I grew up, like, not really speaking Spanish, and mm-hmm. a lot of people would speak to me in Spanish because they assumed I was another just Did Mexican you grow up person. speaking Spanish at all? No, not at all. I didn't grow up. I grew up, well, so I was adopted when I was about two months old. Uh-huh. So. From Peru? From Peru. And I, my mom spoke Spanish at the time when she adopted me. Uh-huh. But not to the point where she could really, like, teach it to me. Mm. And I wasn't around any, really any Spanish speakers that were, like, either taking care of me or, like, friends, mm. friends, families. I had I knew folks that were bilingual more, but yeah. I, at that point in time, I didn't really know that many families that were first generation. Mm. Um, so I wasn't really exposed to to that. Okay. Um, so yeah, and I started learning in school, and I Was tried that, to go. The lighting yeah, I just thing? noticed that. Like, I don't know why. Are you turning off the light, Ismail? You have a wireless lighting scheme. Yeah, because otherwise, it's like very difficult to. Turn on the lights. I've never house. seen. I thought that controlled like the television or oh, the air no. conditioning or something. No, it turns it turns on all the lights. Jeez, that way this we don't is have fancy. Because you see how many lights are around. Like if we had There's to walk around the house, no, yeah, I, I, turning every single one well, it's all on. Like lamps and and things. It's my housemate. He's an artist. So this is really made rad. This place really beautiful. Well, I'm no, really yeah. So I noticed this whole. I took some pictures of. Oh, this, cool. I hope he doesn't mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just make sure you give him a shout out. Aristides well, Logothetis. Well, let's give him a shout out right now. Who is it? Aristides. I love you. It's so great to be in your home, a.k.a. in my home now. These are really um, rad. I was yeah. like, I don't know what these are, but they're super cool. He could explain to you so much better than I can. He's explained to me, like, these paintings on the wall, uh-huh. and, like, these are made out of Bermuda shorts, and he put the flags. These are made out of Bermuda shorts? Yeah, these oh, are I all see Bermuda shorts. Got it. He really likes the patterns. Like, he's really into those, the pattern. Uh-huh. And then on this, is actually becomes, it turns into a giant version of, where's the spider? There's, there's one. Uh, it's oh, basically yeah. a giant version of that. <clears throat> this turns that into a giant one. version yeah, of a spider? it's just deconstructed at this point, okay. deinstalled. And then... So it turns Bermuda shorts into a well, giant spider. those ones aren't Bermuda shorts. Those are just more, like, materials and fabric. <clears throat> and then there's interspersed flags from around the world. Because I see that one back there, yeah. Yeah, the whole contrast is, like, one. if you put the flag against the pattern, it's just a meaningless pattern. It doesn't mean oh. anything. But we haven't talked hardcore about the spiders that much. I know more about, like, these other pictures. But, yeah, no, he's an amazing artist. His art was actually just installed up in Dumbo, but he just deinstalled oh. it. So now he's, like, sort of reinstalling it over there in the back corner <laughs> of the studio, which is really nice. Cool. Yeah. So this is all his stuff, like, on this room. Nice. Yeah, I in walked in. I was like, whoa, this is 
Yeah, it's crazy. Great. It's really, really nice. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. So I unfortunately so, have no artistic talent. Like, no, nothing. Well, I, I'm sure you have an artistic talent in at least at least mushroom making. <laughs> I did have at to the learn very how to cook. Least. Yeah, that was the one thing. When becoming vegan taught me how to cook better. All right, so you grew up in California in yeah, Methdesto. In Methdesto. Or Mogetto, if or, you will. Oh, Mogetto. That's yeah, a new okay. I went to a high school that they called it Mogetto High. Mogetto, nice. It was really sad. It was really terrible. Like, honestly, <laughs> like it sucks because I I grew up with Jesus. this horrible idea of my of my town, and that's why I moved out to New York when I was 18 because I was like, get me as far away from here as possible. I do oh, not want to be associated with my hometown. It's not successful. Like, no one stays here. I need to get out. Also, I'm going to go be on Broadway. So, like, bye, guys. And, like, everybody else in my school applied to colleges that were super local or, like, the UC system. Yeah, sure. And I was like, fuck all that. Like, I'm going to go to, like, Sarah Lawrence and, like, Swarthmore oh, and, like, right, yeah. I don't know, whatever other East Coast colleges are, like, tiny and liberal arts. <laughs> so you did that. Well, like, so a lot of people I know either stay, same thing. They stayed local and went to, like, Rutgers or NYU or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there were a bunch that were, like, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge, yeah. and I'm going all like as far away yeah. as I'm going to California. They're going, yeah. I'm going to go UC Davis, UC San Diego, UC mm-hmm. Berkeley, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah, which they're nice schools, but I visited them, and they were just so overwhelming to me. Yeah, UCLA was enormous, and I was like, I. I mean, the whole system, right? The whole UC system is. I was like, what is the point of going to college if you're going to be in a class with 500 other people? Like, how am I supposed to learn in that environment? Well, hey, Rutgers is no different. I I mean, I went to Rutgers and it was like all the, at least all the one on one courses, right? Mm -hmm. Is you'll sit in like an auditorium of like three to 500 people. That's nuts. We had lecture at my college and it was 30 people. That was a lot. That was like the later class. That was too many for me. If I was like a. Junior or senior for most of them, and then, mm-hmm. like, as a sophomore, some of the more specialized courses were, like, 20, 30 people. Oh, wow. But, like, yeah, the intro courses, mm-hmm. it was a nightmare. Like, That's intro to crazy. psychology, I'm thinking, like... I think uh, two people don't go. I wouldn't go. Well, sure, because, like, A, there's no attendance, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, you go there, and uh, you, you either ace the final or you don't ace the <laughs> final. That's it. Nuts. It's, like, practically pass-fail. That's crazy. <clears throat> and then, hopefully, you, you pick some kind of major that makes sense to you and then you and then you uh, take smaller classes mm-hmm. so what, what, where did you end up going to school I went to Sarah Lawrence College okay um, yeah I really really liked it and um, I wanted to go there I got accepted to a few colleges on the east coast but I really liked Sarah Lawrence because I liked the campus I liked that it was so close to New York City because uh-huh. it's in Westchester County technically Bronxville, but it's actually in Yonkers. They just bought the Bronxville zip code so they could be fancy. <laughs> That's actually the story. And um, I had a friend that went there, and he showed me around, and he just really loved it. There's a lot of one-on-one attention there that you get from your professors. Uh-huh. And so, I don't know. I, when I got onto the campus, I was just like, this is where I want to be. This is this is a school for me. So you did, so. like, a campus visit before coming mm-hmm. out here? Yeah. And we went and visit. We visited a couple of the colleges that I went that I got into out here. But oh, this yeah? is the place that I which really ones liked. did you go visit? We went to Hampshire. We went to Syracuse. I think or was it oh, Skidmore? Yeah. There was a couple yeah. of them around here. And yeah, I ended up really liking. And we went to oh my gosh, we went to Kenyon. Have you seen that that right. movie Liberal Arts? Uh, no. <laughs> so that takes, that takes place on the Kenyon campus, uh-huh. and I got accepted into Kenyon. And I, it was a close, it was a close one for me. But when I went to the campus, it's in Gambier, Ohio. 
<laughs> it's literally okay, like so I've never a been tiny to Ohio. dot. Like that's the only time I've ever been to Ohio, and it was like is that like the only thing out there? Yeah, they, they're like the city's close. It's like a hundred miles away, so it's like only a couple what city? hours drive. Like Cincinnati, like Columbus, or something. Columbus. Yeah, All I was right. like, I can't do this, dude. I was like, this place is beautiful, and this education seems amazing, but like I literally feel like if I wanted to get out of town and like it's the opposite out, of what you needed from California. I was like, no, 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 no. This is not going to work for yeah. me. So I loved it. I really love the program. Same thing with Hampshire. It seemed like it was beautiful, but it was just so isolated. I don't know where that one is either. I was just like, it's somewhere in Massachusetts. I don't remember where. Uh, there was a, a friend of mine that transferred from Hampshire to Sarah Lawrence, and he was like, yeah, it was like a shit show over there. Oh, boy. Um, so but yeah. what did you study at Sarah Lawrence then? Music? Started off with music. I was a music third, and I studied vocal music, and then I moved into more of like anthropology sociology oh. and my second year i went abroad to peru that's the the time that i the second time i guess that i went back to peru <clears throat> what was the and first time the first time was when i was 12 okay um, i went for two weeks with my mom and my older brother uh-huh. and his family and it was really just like a touristy trip i think because i had been begging to go for like so long like uh-huh. I remember distinctly, like, crying to my mom one time because uh, I was so upset that I, like, did not understand why we couldn't go to Peru and visit my birth family and, like, visit my birth country. And so I think she got the sense that, like, clearly she's thinking about these things. So uh-huh. she started planning because I know she told me much later that she had planned for, like, a couple years for the trip. So we went when oh, I was really? 12. Yeah, and she was like, I had been planning and, like, saving money for this, oh, you know? Wow. Yeah, she's a single mom, you know? It wasn't like... And I was like, I don't know why we can't go, mom, you know? It's like, clearly, I didn't I had no sense <laughs> 12 of, 12-year-old, like, yeah, you're like, I don't know no what your sense. bank account is like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had no sense of any of those issues, so... What do you mean you have to work and save up? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, we went when I was 12, and I was super pumped, and I remember when I was, like, driving away from my house mm-hmm. to the airport. Um, like, all of a sudden, it just, like, totally hit me. Like, I had been so excited for those months leading up to the trip. Yeah. And I realized, like, oh, man, like, I am going somewhere that I really I don't know anything about. Uh-huh. I don't know where it is, really. Like, I don't know you can who, point to it on like, a map. Well, I could, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just felt like that's, like, really far. It just, like, hit me. Like, yeah. I'm leaving my home right now, and I'm going somewhere else that Was that your first time I away from the home? home? No, like, I think I had been traveling in the U.S. I don't remember. Uh-huh. But, like, out of the country? But, like, out of the country, yeah. It was my first time, and... I was just like it just like the weight of it really hit me yeah. and I, I remember like but I didn't want anyone to like know and your Spanish wasn't that good no I didn't speak any Spanish at all at that point so you're going to Peru just like blind basically yeah I was like a little kiddo and like freaking out so I was like in the back <laughs> of my car like crying and like I was just like I remember like watching my house like fade away in the back of the, of the car rear view window it was so dramatic I it was like so dramatic I should put music behind this section <laughs> of the podcast it was so sad and so like I finally like cried it out got it together like no one noticed in the car yeah no like I was just silently crying to myself and then I was like, all right, I'm cool. Like, got over that. What were you feeling? You were just, like, overwhelmed? Yeah, I was totally overwhelmed. I was just, like, really scared. I realized, yeah. like, I, w- I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like, uh-huh. it was, like, this thing that was a part of me and that I had talked about for years and I'd known about for years. But I was like, actually, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know anything about it. I've yeah. never been there. I've never experienced it. Like, you did no research. It's foreign. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I can't say I didn't know research. I was surrounded by a lot of Peruvian stuff when I was little. My oh, mom, really? like, yeah, we, she Your made sure. She, yeah, she made sure that. I had tons of books and like pictures and like oh, yeah? artifacts in our house. What yeah, kind of it was very much a part of our life. Um, the there's this one specific book. 
she we had this music room in the first house that I lived in when I grew up, and it was like our piano was in there, and we had like a trampoline, like a little mini trampoline, you yeah, know, yeah. and then like a dollhouse that my grandfather made for me, I think, and. Oh like music so it was just like this little playroom okay and then there was these bookshelves along one side of the room tons of books my mom is you know very very well educated she reads a lot and so the all the bottom shelf books were stuff that had to do with like Peru and like my adoption so Mm -hmm. I remember growing up and like pulling out photo albums of me when I was a baby and my mom when she went to go get me and like letters that she had written and she like kept a diary when she was there oh wow and there was like this one specific book about the Incas that I remember because I would always look at the picture of the Inca that they had like drawn on the front dramatic representation or whatever of this like Incan king and I would always like look at that picture and Uh so I would always look at the books about like Machu Picchu that we had there's a lot of books about Cusco mostly there wasn't really books about my specific region where I was Mm. from um, but at minimum, there was that around. There was always, like, art on the walls um, that she had bought when she was wow. there, posted. So it was very much a part of my life. And That's pretty rad. Yeah, every single That's night cool. when she put me to sleep, my bedtime story was her telling me about how she adopted me. Oh. And so there was never a moment that I didn't realize that I was adopted because I sure. grew up listening to it. And That's awesome. at one point, I remember that, like, I was able to recite the story word for word. Like, wow. even if she wouldn't tell it to me, because I think she was like, I want to tell a story maybe sometimes. Like, let me read you a book instead. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I was like, now tell me the story. And so <laughs> I would just, like, tell it to her instead. I wish I could remember it and how it goes now because it would be really great to, like, write it down. And I yeah, feel like I've asked her before. Yeah, I feel like I've asked her, but I don't even think she remembers like what she would say. But it was really cute. I bet if you tried really hard, or I, if you I'm remember sure some key both points. of us. Yeah, if we like both talked and like kind of yeah. played off of each other, I'm sure we could figure it out. Yeah. But it'd be really cool to to piece that together. That'd be good. Yeah. So you said you you had a brother. Mm-hmm. Is that the only sibling you have? No, um, I have two brothers that I know of. My uh-huh. older brother. His name is Michael. I'm actually going to see him this weekend. Oh, yeah? I was texting him earlier. Let me see if he texted me back. Is that... You're going to Philly, you said? Yeah. He lives in Philly. He was raised in Balakinwood, which is like a suburb of Philly. Uh-huh. And um, cool. We're going to the party. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he grew up there. He was adopted by a Jewish family. He grew up with a mom and a dad and Oh, this is your birth brother. brother. This is my birth brother. Okay. Yeah, I am. My biological brother. And he was adopted when he was about like <clears throat> two years old. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that we really knew about him was that when my mom came to adopt me, she went to the country to pick me up. Mm-hmm. And when she arrived on the day like of you know the handoff, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it, um, she thought that she was going to meet the attorney. She'd pick me up and like the rest of the day would go on. She ended up coming to the place, I think the office, and my birth mother was there and she was nursing me. And oh. so my mom was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this um, was unexpected. This, was a, this took an unexpected turn. <laughs> but she was also really happy because she got to speak to her. Yeah. And my birth mother told her, you know, when you adopt her or, you know, when you take her, you need to remember three things that you need to do, which is you need to make sure that she gets an education, mm-hmm. make sure that she gets a profession so she doesn't have to clean houses like I do. And you need to baptize her Catholic. <laughs> and so right. my mom pretty much checked that all off the list. First thing that was happening was that I got baptized when I got to the U.S. So but number one. Yeah, first things first. And then off the um, plane, that baptized. was the last time I was in a Catholic church. That was what? That was 
<laughs> wow. So yeah. your mom was like, did that. Check. She was like, she didn't say raise her Catholic. She said baptize <laughs> her Catholic, which she did. And I did, you know, so I'm right. baptized Catholic. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, in any case, my mom, you know, she's she always says, like, I don't know what came over me to ask her this, but I asked her, like, does she have any siblings? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I couldn't tell you, like, why. It wasn't a, something that I had thought out or was planning to ask her, but I did. And then she's like, as soon as she... Her, the translator asked her that question. She started like like going off in Spanish, and my mom was like trying to keep up, but she couldn't understand. But she she said she heard like two words, which she heard like um, hermano, like Remsen, Philadelphia, and so oh. she was like, I know she has a sibling. The interpreter would not tell her anything because um, they were like oh, she really? can't she can't share this. Like she's not supposed to talk about this. Blah blah blah. Uh. And my mom was like, she's telling me this right now. Like just translate <laughs> yeah, what she's yeah, saying, yeah. and they refused. So. She ended up getting a private interpreter, and she made an appointment to mm. see my mom at another time. And so then, like outside she, the office, mm-hmm, found yeah. out that my mom had my birth mother had had a son four years before mm-hmm. that she had tried to keep for a couple years, but eventually placed for adoption. And she was adopted by this family named the Remsons, and they were living in Philadelphia. <laughs> and she wasn't really quite sure where they were. She didn't really have any exact contact information. Mm-hmm. So my mom went back to the lawyer and was like, I know what's up. Like, I know you have their info. So, like, can't you just give me their address? He refused. Yeah, but then he yeah. said, well, if you write a letter, then I will mail it to the family. And that way it'll get to them and they can reach out to you if they want. Uh-huh. And so when she wrote the letter, she came back to the office, was, like, heading back to the U.S. And the attorney was like, actually, it doesn't make sense that I mailed the letter from Peru. You're already going back to the U.S. You're going to be in Florida. So, like, why don't you just mail it when you get to Let's Florida? Let's save some postage here. Well, he, I think because, you know, he also probably thought that, like, you know, it so might not reach like the states and or maybe he was trying to be nice. Gave her the envelope, and yeah, that's how she got the address. <laughs> so, wait, <laughs> we're going to keep this completely private, but here's the address. <laughs> but mail this letter. Mail Don't visit Florida. them. <laughs> so, obviously, I was like, great, this works out wonderfully. Sure, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> um, I found out that my, my brother's parents said that <clears> they got the letter Called my mom, like, immediately. So she mailed it. She didn't even, like... She did mail it, and she tried to, like, get there. I think she looked them up, but they contacted her. And, um, yeah, she... They were super excited, and they were, like, so excited to find out that I existed and that she existed. And so a couple years later, we went out to D.C. for the first time, and that's when I lived in D.C. That's when I went to D.C. the first time. Um, I met my brother. He was probably six years old. I was, like, two Maybe he was five-ish, something mm-hmm. like that. We're about four years apart. And there's all these pictures of us, like, playing together. I met them uh-huh. and met... Um, he had an older brother that's biological to his parents and a younger brother that's biological to his parents. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, they basically just became kind of a part of our lives. And I wouldn't necessarily say we were, like, really close or, like, we were considering each other, like, technically family, but... We were definitely tight knit. We were def- they were definitely a part of our lives, and they came out to visit us in California. I went to go visit my brother when he had his bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah. I'm sorry, sorry, brother. Um, <laughs> I beat my beat. And um, yeah, like when I was young, it was a little bit harder to stay connected with him, just because yeah. when I'm like nine and he's thirteen, that's a huge difference, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. like maturity level and like what we're interested in. Sure. And so. 
Um, He's like, I don't have time for your letters. I'm going to chase girls. (laughs) No, even that. Like, I feel like he was always really interested and, like, supportive and caring towards me. I think I, at times, was kind of just like, I didn't really know what to do. And I didn't really feel like Uh, I had a strong connection to him. And I was kind of like, I don't know. Not that I didn't want to be around him. I definitely did. It just, I didn't feel like we had, we weren't, like, talking on the phone a lot or, you know, or hanging Mm -hmm. out a lot. So I didn't really feel like we had, like, a super strong friendship. But despite that, I always felt like he's my brother. I always considered him my brother. always identified with him as my brother. I would tell people, not all the time, but, you know, if they'd ask me if I had siblings, I'd be like, oh, I have a brother, you know. So he was definitely present in my life. And then, um, I think a few years later, my mom found out that my birth mom got pregnant again. She mailed us letters every year. And so oh, my so they mom, kept in touch? Yeah. So my That's mom, cool. yeah, she'd send her money and just like little gifts and like pictures of me and just updates on what we were up to. She'd had someone in the community translate for her. Um, they were also a Peruvian family. And so when my mom came back to California, she got more or less engaged with some of the local Peruvian families in the area. And mm-hmm. so she could kind of put me around some Peruvian people. And like they all came out when um, there was like Independence Day celebrations. There was like this one picture where they had dressed me up in like this little Peruvian dress, and I looked like a little Peruvian doll. So funny. Um, and then they all came out, I think, as well for when I became a citizen when I was two. And then I was where I was like literally draped in like an American flag. <laughs> like these pictures are hilarious. Like you see them side by side, and it's like that's it's so awesome. great. Yeah, it's like very, very much. Uh, uh, a great imagery that like explains my identity I feel like um but yeah so my younger brother um he was born about four years after I was born uh-huh. and in the letters that my mom and my birth mom wrote back and forth to each other she mentioned him and I think there was some mention of potentially my mom adopting him as well um oh, wow. that never ended up happening for okay. various reasons I think but sure. um he was never placed for adoption. So he grew up in Peru. He grew up oh, wow. raised by some godparents. One was, I think, my birth mom or our birth mom's, I always forget. It's like birth, our birth mom's cousin or like our birth mom's uncle or some kind of brother relation in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his wife, those were his godparents. And basically he felt like those were really his parents. Like he yeah, felt like they yeah. raised him. She was off working a lot. And he also was partially raised in kind of like, it wasn't an orphanage. And it wasn't really even a group home. It was uh-huh. sort of like a mix between the two. A lot of parents like kept their kids there that couldn't afford to keep them. Yeah, yeah. I don't really. They call it. They call it something. It's there's a specific term in Spanish, but it, there's not really any translation for. Because the in institution English. like isn't there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he grew up there a lot, and it was kind of a hard go for him, I yeah. think, because he didn't really sure. have the family support. So even though he stayed in country. Um, he really only kind of became a part of the family when his godparents were raising him and stuff. And mm. um, so, yeah, so I grew up knowing about him and I had like always wanted a little brother. So I was super excited. And like that was one of my big goals was like I was like, I need to meet my little brother one day. And um, and yeah, but I just all I had of him was like a school picture. That was like the only thing that I so had what age reference. did you find out you had a little brother? I don't know. I kind of I remember thinking about him and, like, remember seeing his picture and stuff when I was, like, around maybe eight or something. It was before we mm-hmm. went to Peru. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things when we went to Peru when I was 12 was that we wanted to see our younger brother, mm-hmm. but it ended up not working out. What we were told mm-hmm. is that it was just too far away um, at the time. We heard 
alternate stories later when I went back when I was in college. Oh, yeah. And then my brother came to visit me, and then we eventually did all get to meet each other and reunite. But, yeah, at the time we were uh, told. What were the alternate stories? Um, So, yeah, when we were in Peru when we were 12, we met our birth mother. Mm -hmm. um, And then. Did uh, your brother's family go too? Mm Mm-hmm. So everybody, it was just a big family trip. Yeah, yeah. My brother, his family, my mom, and a family friend, and my birth mother spent a couple days together. Okay. Near, it was like the Christmas holidays. We are on the beach. It was really nice. I mean, in South America, it's like beautiful yeah, yeah. Right during the winter time. Beats, uh, beats the winter. The beats summer. the New York winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that was great. It was a good experience. I, I think it was harder because I didn't really have the language cap- capacity, so... Right. Did you have a translator I, with you? Yeah, we had a translator. It was so crazy because we didn't even, like, hire a translator. It just so happened that, like, one the hotel owner, not the hotel, the hostel owner was like, oh, like, my nephew translates. Like, he interprets. <laughs> and so he, like, called him up. They came over. It was a woman. What it was, a crazy it was his, random happenstance. It was, it was his niece. And then she, it, it turns out she didn't really, like, know how to interpret. She did, like, more word translating, like. Oh, like she was, like, a translator, not an like, interpreter. interpreter. Yeah. Right, yeah. So she struggled. And then it just so happened that in the room where we were, like, all gathering, there was a woman there that was traveling abroad or whatever. And she was, like, I think from the U.K., it was like, oh, I interpret. Like, she's like, I don't want to, like, you know, barge in on you guys, but I just wanted to mention, like, clearly it looks like you guys are having this, like, important... I spoke too soon. This is a crazy rant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it totally was. She was like, I don't want to barge in, but, like, I'm happy to, to be here and, like, interpret this experience for you also then. And she was fantastic. She was an amazing interpreter. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, wow. so the, it was our families and these two women that joined us for this, like, reunion... We, like, Jeez. all went out to dinner. We went out to lunch. We went to the beach. Just, like, walked around the Lima city center, went shopping. And, uh-huh. um, yeah, it was, like, it was a really interesting experience. I remember being, like, really excited. And and before I got really excited, I was, like, very nervous as well. Um, like yeah, I, of course. I had always wanted to meet my birth mom, and that was kind of the point of us going to the trip was that we were supposed to meet her. Unbeknownst to me, my mom... She what she told me later was that she hadn't heard like anything from my birth mother when we were preparing to go to the trip. She'd like wrote her written her a letter, heard nothing, like written her another letter, another address, like nothing. Yeah. She sent letters like literally she was like I was literally like dropping breadcrumbs like everywhere I could try and think of where I might be able to locate her. And like she's like we heard nothing. And literally like the Friday before we were gonna leave like our, she contacted my mom and was like I'm gonna be at the the hostel like got your letter you know my mom was like great <laughs> so, well, that's good because yeah. we were coming anyways yeah yeah so it, it like also kind of was like a crazy happenstance thing yeah. where it might not have happened um, but she she made it and um, yeah we we spent a couple days together and like I said I think the day the days leading up to her being there, I was really excited. I was so pumped to just, like, it's, it's like, a, something I always heard about. I was told about my birth mom and my bedtime story every single night. Yeah. I was told by my mom, like, how much she loved me and cared for me. So I was, like, so excited. And then, like, literally the afternoon that she was coming, I decided I did not want to meet her anymore. <laughs> And I just thought, like, this is a terrible idea. Like, why would I meet someone that I don't even know? And, like, I don't know who she is. And, like, what? Like, I just freaked out. I totally freaked out. like, 12. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, my God. This is terrible. And so, like, I told my mom. I was like, I don't feel good. Like, I'm sick. And my mom was like, 
she's coming. Like <laughs> she knew, she saw right she, through. Yeah, you. she's like she is gonna too be late. here. We're in Peru. Uh, yeah, right. Like she's like we we we're here. Like you wanted this. Like you wanted to meet her. So like we're gonna meet her. Yeah. And so my mom totally didn't let me back out. <laughs> um, Good for so, her. Good for her. So I was like, all right. And so like I was like, whatever, mom. Like I'm gonna go hide in my room and like I'm gonna go sleep. So I like lay down in the hotel room and I just like lied there, like not sleeping at all, but just like freaking out in my head. Um, and then I just remember my mom coming in and being like, she's here. Like you need to come out. Yeah. And then it was just like a blur. And like my mom like pulled me out of was the hostel room. Was your brother already out there? My brother was already out there. And, like, as soon as I walked into, from our room into, like, the, there was, like, kind of a main living area in the hostel, uh-huh. I just remember, like, <laughs> immediately being, like, wrapped up in a hug. And I, it was just, like, oh, I was, yeah, like, okay, yeah. like, it's okay. I don't have to be scared anymore. Oh. And it was, it was a, such a relief. Like, sure. I felt so much better. And, um... What did you feel yeah. relieved from? Just, like, all the anxiety? The anxiety, yeah. I was super anxious about it. I didn't sure. know. I think maybe I thought, like, she was going to reject me or something. I have no idea. Like, mm-hmm. all I remember is that I just did not want to meet her, and I was super scared. And But, yeah, when she was there and she, like, embraced me and she was, like, so excited to see me, I felt so much better. I was super happy. And we all sat down and we just like talked a bunch. They, my mom actually like recorded the whole thing like on like on VHS. Oh. We it was back in the days, you know. So back in the day of VHS. <laughs> what year was this? Um, this was 2011. Okay, that's yeah. not like so long right? ago. That's not. Is that's, that right? Am I thinking wrong? I was no. 12. You were 12 in 2011? No. No. That <laughs> would mean you're like 16 <laughs> now. That doesn't make any sense. 2001. 2001? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 2001. I was like, no, that sounds No, awful. no. I don't think you're 16. <laughs> no, no, no. As far was, as I'm it was, aware. It was 2001. Okay. This makes I, more the, sense. The reason why I, said, I think I said 2011 is because I always am a, like a year older than the year. So uh-huh. like it's, it's 2016. I'm 27. It's 1991. That means I'm two. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how I remembered it. So okay. anyways, that's me and my math <laughs> skills. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was awesome. Um, I think by the second day, I was like ready to move on. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. Was I was that like, quick? You were like, yeah. No, it was is, like, I got I was my like, closure. Yeah. I was like, this is great. It was cool, like hearing from her. She asked me if I was upset with her and I told her no. So I got to tell her that and like be mm. like, it's cool. Like, I'm happy. I'm good. And then I was like, I'm like over her hanging around, dude. Like, I can't talk to her. Great. So we hugged. Why is she still yeah, here? Yeah, I was kind of like, I was just over it. I was totally just yeah. like, I would, I'd like, I was like, I don't really have a connection with her. You know, mm. it wasn't like I felt bad towards her. I was just like, I don't have a connection. Like, my yeah, mom is my mom, yeah. and like, I'm ready to move on. And so, do you keep it was in touch good. with her now? Yeah. So I went back when I was 19. Okay. And then I visited the country like pretty much every year after so that's that. like this year 2016 you went back <laughs> um yeah exactly but yeah i haven't been in a couple <clears throat> years but um but yeah for a while i was going every year okay yeah you were going every year to yeah. peru to visit your mom yeah wow. I'm, gonna, I'm probably gonna go back in december because i haven't gone in a couple years okay. and now i'm like an adult with money so like i can go back yeah again. <laughs> you have a sweet apartment with a lot of thank art, you so. thank you yeah <laughs> Are you going to go with your brother? Do you go with your brother every year? What's the, or your mom? What's um, the deal? He's come with me a couple times. I think my mom's going to come with me this time. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to search my birth father. Oh, and yeah? Yeah, it was something I started the last time I was in the country and just didn't finish. Um, and it's been something that's been kind of in the back of my mind for a couple years now. Mm. And so 
I, I feel like that never gets talked about. It's always the birth mother, the birth mother. Yeah, exactly. Nobody really ever talks about the father. Yeah, no. I and like, I think because, well, partially no one can locate them. Like, they vanish in the night. They That's just why. ghost. They literally ghost. So many of my friends, like, have no information on their birth fathers. Yeah. They're, like, even my birth father, he's not on my birth certificate. Even on my Peruvian birth certificate, he's not on there. My mother did not list him. But she knows his name. But she didn't put him on the birth certificate. Huh. And so, like, I think it's going to be easier for me to find him because I have his name. My birth mother does know a little bit about where he could potentially be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like... I think it's possible, um, and I have a couple friends that, you know, do really good searches using some online databases and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's potentially really, really possible to locate him. Okay. So, yeah, that's probably what we'll be doing in December. See, I'm, like, the opposite, where I've always kind of wanted to search for my birth father mm. and not my mother. And I think, I don't know if this is the reason why, but I think it's because I'm a guy. It could be. Like, I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I don't know what it potentially. is. Potentially. I'm like, maybe it's, I'm like, I just want to see if I look like him or yeah. if I have the same kind of habits or yeah. I don't know what it is. Well, that's the funny thing, too, because I met my birth mother and I was like, oh, we don't really look anything like each oh, other. Yeah. yeah. My her, my brother, my older brother and, and her look like twins. They oh, look really? Like, oh, my God. They look so much alike. It's yeah? crazy. Yeah. And um, me and my birth mother, we don't when you, when we see all of us together, my younger brother, my older brother, me, like you can see similarities, uh-huh. and like especially among us siblings, you can see similarities, but not we don't really all look like each other. Um, but my birth mom, my, my older brother, definitely do. But my birth mother has told me that like the last time I was in the country, like the first thing out of her mouth was like, "God, you look just like your birth father." And oh, I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> so now it's like it's on. Now, now it's like mm-hmm. in your head. Oh, I need to search for this guy. Yeah, I've never met anyone that looked like me. You yeah, know, it would be yeah. really nice to see someone that looks at like me, even if he is an asshole. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, hey, at least you're open to that possibility. Oh yeah, absolutely. You just can never. You can never recreate. Searching for your birth family and going into your birth country, you could just never recreate the situations and yeah. the experiences that happen mm-hmm. and the stories you end up hearing or not hearing. Like, none of that. I think I realized when I went back to live there, I thought that things were going to be a certain way. I thought that I didn't have expectations, but I definitely did. Yeah. And, like, everything was totally do. shattered. Of course. Yeah. Sure. Everything was completely shattered. So now I'm, and I'm like, very open to that. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> it could be anything, literally. Yeah. And, like, that's cool. It's totally I'll Pandora's get box. It. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of, there's a lot of adoptees who are just starting to do birth search or think about it. And they don't mm-hmm. really consider that. It's like, they think, you know, probably what happened mm-hmm. to you when you were 12. is like, ah, I'm going to open the door and then hug. And that's going to be end of, end of fairy tale. Right. Happily ever after. But it's yeah. like, you're not. Ending a journey right yeah. there. That's the beginning of a oh, relationship, man. right? Totally. Yeah. So I think it's one of those totally. considerations where uh, if you're listening to this and you're an adoptee who's considering <laughs> birth search, think about those consequences. Talk, talk to your friends. Talk. Look up stories of people that have gone through various types of birth. Family yeah, because it could end very. Reunion. It sounds like you had a very good uh, reunion with your with your birth mother and a continued yeah. relationship. Yeah, but you know, like just because we had that good first initial meeting as well doesn't mean that we have a good relationship now. Sure. Which we don't, unfortunately. Oh, no? So, you know, like, things happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what about that is uh, is not is kind of rocky right now? You mind well, talking about that? you know, yeah. Just like- her, her, because she's been through so much in her life and she's, uh-huh. you know, had to struggle through a lot of poverty. Mm-hmm. I think, of course, being a single mother. Um, yeah. 
think that was a big issue for her. I think people cast a lot of judgment on her for that. Of course. Um, and then and being an unwed mother. Mm. Um, and then also she had some mental health issues. I feel like she didn't really used to have have it that bad, but now I've noticed since I like throughout the years I feel like I've seen it worsen. Mm. And it's something where she goes through periods of it being very intense and a lot of her trauma that she's been through in the past I think like is very vivid to her in the present Mm -hmm. um and she like replays that in her head a lot um Mm. and you can hear it in the way that she speaks she speaks very cyclically a lot of times and it's just can be really exhausting to be around her and to kind of like care for her in that way um and oftentimes she's very much the child she puts herself in like a child position as far as like she would even call my birth mom i'm sorry my birth mom my mom um like uh, like uh, her mom like she'd call her her mom madrecita Uh, which is like little mother yeah yeah and my mom always i think she feels like a little bit uncomfortable with that because you know it's tough to have boundaries (laughs) yeah but also to feel like this is the mother of my child (laughs) yeah what do i what do i owe you <laughs> it's and, it's and really thing. difficult, sure. and it's it was something difficult for me when I lived there when I was nineteen. Was just like now I'm in with my birth mother like all the time, and I envisioned us having this like beautiful relationship, and it's so mm. much more complicated and complex than I ever could have imagined. And I I feel emotionally tired. I feel like I don't know what to trust mm. all the time. You know, um, I thought that I was gonna enjoy being around my birth mother a lot more than like I'm currently enjoying, and like that really is really painful for me because sure. I I felt guilty about that you know Mm. I felt really upset with myself that I couldn't come to have this like you know close intimate personal relationship with the person that carried me and placed me and like I said I grew up believing really cared for me despite the way that that might look to some people and so I think that you know as I kind of was going through my year of living there I was able to kind of draw some boundaries a little bit. And also um, I had to, when I came back after that first year of living there, I had to adjust my my attitude and my mindset. Once I had some space and I was in the U.S., um, I really had to reassess kind of like what you were saying is like, do I want to have had this experience to be like, cool, I met her. It's done. Like, she's not a real human. Like, I can ignore her now. Uh Or do I really want to work at having a relationship? Like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. And so I decided for myself, like, I personally want to have a relationship with her. It's going to be just like any other relationship where there's going to be ups and downs. And it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. And so I need to commit to that. Like, I need to commit to being a part of that and being present with that. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, if I want to do that, the next time I go see her, I just need to listen. Like, I can't judge. I can't force this ideal of what I think our relationship should be. It's just going to be what it is. And I have to take her where she's at. And she's going to also need to, like, meet me where I'm at, too. Yeah. And so, you know, because of that, I think that we've, like I said, we've had our really great moments and we've had great conversations where I've learned a lot about her. I've learned a lot about me and my family history, things that I always wanted to know and didn't know. And I now have like very detailed um, stories about, but there's also been pieces where, you know, we definitely have fought and like, we don't agree. And like, she feels like I've hurt her and I feel like she's hurt me, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's like very real. And so I would say where we're at right now is because we don't, we like, she's so, she moves around so much because she's dealing with poverty. doesn't really have a place to stay of her own. Mm-hmm. Her mental health is an issue, and that causes her sometimes to act erratically. So it causes her to lose her job. Um, 
it causes her family to really not want to have that much to do with her, to be quite honest. Um, and so because she's so mobile, she doesn't always have the same number. She doesn't always like um, have an address. So I haven't really been able to like keep a constant contact with her. Yeah. And um, it's a little tough. So it's it's been a little tough to be like she's always on my mind. Same with my younger brother, too. He's always on my mind. And it's been easier to keep in touch with him just because he has a little bit more stability. Mm-hmm. Now, also, like, the internet is getting better. and <laughs> Like, you know, we can Skype a lot more. What's um, he doing? Uh, we can Facebook a lot more. He actually just <clears throat> completed his auto mechanic school. So, okay. yeah, and he finished his education, which cool. is really awesome. Because yeah, for a while, good. it was kind of, like, left hanging. He hadn't finished his secondary education. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's finished, and he's getting... Um, just jobs driving and like working on cars and things like that. And that's been something that he really likes. He likes fixing things. He's very, very handy. He's Good. super smart. Um, but he also is like, we've talked a lot about him visiting me here mm-hmm. or just like, how are we going to like do this as like an adult again, being like siblings and wanting to be in relationship with each other, um, but being so far away. <clears throat> and so for me, it's really tough because he's getting older now. Like I'm 27, he's 23, which is like, he's yeah. not a baby anymore. When I yeah. met him, he was 15 and he was definitely a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's tough for me to be here and n- not being able to be present while like my, I feel like my family is experiencing different things and like growing up and yeah, yeah. I don't get to be a part of that. It's so, it weighs on me so much. Um, and that's why I have a sense that I'm going to go back to live in Peru at some point. Um, just to be with them because it means a lot to me. My younger brother and I, like when I met him, that was probably even more of a significant like event in my life than even meeting my birth mother almost. Mm. Um, I'm not quite sure why, but like when I met him. Maybe like, it's the closeness in age and no, yeah. you feel like you need to take care of him as a little brother. Or yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was, it's not even really that because um, a lot of times he took care of me a lot more than I took care of him. Oh, yeah. But like... Yeah, I met him and it just like I literally remember like the like my vision like flipped like everything went upside down and like I ha- was like a, a total loss for words and we just like hugged each other and like cried <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know he told me in Spanish he said like support me sister and I just like broke apart Aww. it was crazy so yeah that's that was our reunion and that was the first time that my both my brothers, myself, and my birth mom were like ever in the same room together. Mm. So we have pictures of us being together, um, and that was really interesting too because our birth mother was like she very much wanted to be like a part of that of the experience that like my brothers and I were having, and she kind of kept like being like smile and like say this and do this to my little brother. And my brother was like, like no, no, no. like he, you know, obviously we were kind of all in our own zones, and so yeah, that's like kind of the tension of of our relationship is. Sometimes also they're doing fine. Sometimes they get into issues and stuff yeah, from the past kicks sure. up. And so, yeah, like it's like I said, it's very real life, you know, it's relationships, yeah. it's people, it's life is complicated. Yeah. Huh? Different societies and cultures. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, like I said, I think I, I definitely feel the weight of not being back for a couple of years and I miss my family out there a lot. And just yeah. the way of life is a little bit different. And I miss that, too. And speaking Spanish all the time and you know um yeah I just miss like kind of hanging out with with my fam and I'm hoping that when I go in December it's going to be a brief trip and it's going to be mostly centered around searching for my birth father um how long do you plan on going for at least a month like I feel like it doesn't make sense for me to stay like definitely no less than a week and like even two weeks feels like it's not enough time for me to see my friends and to like travel 
And so, yeah, like, I hope that we'll be able to stay for, like, at least three to four weeks. We'll see what happens at that point. It'll be a whole other door, like you said, <laughs> Pandora box I'm opening. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I know that if I've been <clears throat> thinking about it for this long, that, like, it's a place that I have to go. Like, I personally can't just, like, ignore it and shut the door on it. It's yeah. not going to happen. Well, awesome. Uh, so you lived there when you were 19? You moved out to Peru? When I was what, sorry? 19? Yeah. Last year? I was year? crunching on my bread. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I went when I was 19. I kind of went because I didn't want to drop out of college. Uh-huh. And I wanted to, like, travel and see the world, and I was super tired from, like, academics. Yeah. But I knew that if I dropped out of college, my mom would, like, literally die. And so I was like, okay, if I stay in school, maybe I can go to school in Peru. Because, like, I've been thinking about going back to Peru for since I was 12 for seven years. Sure. I want to be better at Spanish right now. Like, I feel like I've plateaued. And studying Spanish is one thing, but, like, speaking it every day is another. No kidding. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. I talked to my study abroad office. There was obviously no programs I went to Peru through my college. <laughs> But then my, my advisor said that I could just take a year of absence from college. Oh. And she said, just enroll yourself into a school in Peru. Mm-hmm. Make sure that, like, check with your whatever the person is that does credits, the academic person. That will, like, transfer that was, over or whatever. That it will transfer over and, like, you're good to go. So I was like, sweet. And so um, because I did the IB program, the International Baccalaureate program was in high school. Uh-huh. Um, I only had to do three what years of college. It is essentially just, like... So, like, AP classes It's, like, and AP extra, extra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, you just have to do more papers. I was talking about this with my friend the other day because we were talking about how it's supposed to be this, like, really rigorous academic program and it's supposed to be so good for you. But I was, like, the only difference is that they make you do more homework. That's literally <laughs> the only difference from regular education and this program. It's college right there. They didn't. <laughs> they don't, like, open your mind. They don't, like, challenge your thinking. Oh, really? No. It's it was a joke. Anyway, sorry, Ivy guys, <laughs> don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> go Ivy, it'll take you places. You do get to have a year up of college if you do good. Well, so. hey, then it did open some opportunities for you. It sounds like. Yeah, it was like sweet. I don't have to like make my mom pay for another year of college. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I bet your mom appreciates that. Yeah, so it was worth it in that way. Um, but yeah, so anyways, when so I did my first year of college, and then I was able to just go skip right to my junior year and do mm-hmm. like my junior study abroad year. Nice. So I took a year off from Sarah Lawrence. I went to a school, a school in Lima called PUCP, which is Pontificia Universidad Católica del Perú. Of and then, clearly. Yeah. And then... Por supuesto. <laughs> nice. <Yeah>. And, uh, <laughs> I got some skills. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, like, have any, you know, group of friends that I was going with, so I got my own housing. You know, I didn't have any programs, so there wasn't, like, any orientation. They were just, like, enrolling classes you want to take. And so it was wow. pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking also at the time. I don't know. I do this to myself. Like, You're I thinking do, you want to go to Peru I do, like, and crazy live there things. for a year. Yeah, I don't know. I do crazy things. And that's I'm not like, crazy. Oh, that shit. makes sense. I think it's crazy. Like, by myself, with no one, no programs. Like, my mom that's was... independence right there. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, I went. It was great. It was a really good year. I learned a lot the first two, year, two years. The first two months felt like two years <laughs> the, fe- the first two months were so hard I was so homesick yeah. I was like feeling very rejected by a Peruvian society because mm. in Lima I'm considered much more like dark skin and like from the mountains which I am like um, my family's indigenous to the Wadi region which is in the Ancash department of Peru which is sort of like central north 
and all my family is like Quechua speaking as a first language and Spanish as a second language. Mm. Um, so yeah, like people look at me and they're like, they know my roots. <laughs> and so I'm like kind You're of indigenous. second class in the city to some people and in some spaces, obviously not everybody's like that. It's just like this here, you know? Yeah. And so I was really shocked by that, though, because I thought, like, I'm just going to go to Peru and, like, I'm going to blend right in and, like, everyone's going to love me and it's just going to be, like, this amazing homecoming. And it was totally not that. It was very hard. So I got a big slap of reality in the face. And that was really painful just because I was like, okay, when I'm in the U.S., like, I'm not Mexican. I'm not, you know, really American sometimes. But then I'm in Peru and, like, now I'm not even Peruvian. Like, they don't even want to take me in as a Peruvian. Sure. Or they're telling me, like, no, you're just American. So, like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And it was super frustrating, you know. And, of course, and I know many people experience. It's just an adoptee conundrum (laughs) No land. Adoptee country. Yeah. No country. No country. (laughs) Um, We're our own country. We're our own country. Adoptee town. Yeah. Yeah. Adoptee town, USA. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was tough. And then, of course, on top of that, like, I realized when I got there that I couldn't really understand the Spanish that people were speaking to me. It was really fast. It was really, like, slangy. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The accent yeah. was, like, nothing I'd ever really heard before. Um, and now when I hear the Peruvian accent, I'm like, oh. It's like music to my ears. It's so beautiful. Um, but because it is very distinct and you can totally notice it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a Puerto Rican accent or a Mexican nothing, accent. Well, yeah, no, yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it took me about six months to get really fluent in the language. I, remember. I feel like that's a short amount of time. That's I felt quick. like it was like a long amount of time. Well, it feels long to like, you. Gosh, to me, I'd terrible. be like, I'm not getting this. <laughs> <laughs> And even if I was getting it, I don't think they would be getting it. They'd be like, I don't know what Spanish <laughs> like, you're speaking. What? <laughs> yeah, so it, like it took me a good chunk of time. Mm. I remember like the first couple months in class, like our classes were like two hours long. It was so hard, and I took like a history class because I was crazy. And I remember being able to pay attention for like thirty minutes, and I'd be like okay okay like I think I'm capturing stuff and then my brain would just like shut down like literally yeah, yeah. I'd be like I've had those like robot cannot compute it's exhausting would just like pass out like it's at my exhausting. desk <laughs> and, like yeah. for the rest of class was not capturing anything um but I finally made friends in school and that was helpful and like again because I looked Peruvian it was again like this weird advantageous disadvantageous <laughs> because no one thought that I was American and was struggling with the language, so nobody was like, "Are you getting it? Are you okay? Like, are you good?" Like, nobody's checking in with me. Yeah, uh, they're just like, "Why is this like weird chick like being so quiet?" You know. And then like with if the other, if only they knew you were going <laughs> to New York to study music and be on Broadway. And like you know, the white kids of course got so much attention. Everybody spoke to them in English, and like yeah, they all like blonde hair, blue eyes, mostly want to go hike Machu I think Picchu. There was, I think yeah, I think there was like one chick that was black that was there. Yeah. She was cool. Um, there's there a couple people that I was friends with. They were both super blonde, super blue eyes. One was German. One was from Wisconsin. And <laughs> technically German. They're both German. They're both German. Right? And so, <laughs> but they were great. And, like, my friend Ashley, she's still my friend. Ashley, what's up? She's She just got married, actually. Oh, congratulations, Ashley. Yeah, you should listen to the podcast and wedding. subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful wedding in Wisconsin. Um, or actually, was it in Minnesota? Oh, there's a big difference. You better not mess this up. No, it was in Wisconsin. It was totally Wisconsin. I'm thinking Cheesehead? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Packers fans? The first time that I went there to... Where does she live? What's the Wisconsin place that's, like, central? Madison? Madison? Yeah. (laughs) The first time I went to Madison, she took me to the market, and I had cheese bread... 
cheese, bread cheese, and fried cheese. Like I had oh, fried all cheese. these. Yeah, like, yeah. There's all these different ty- types of cheese. You have cheese curds. Cheese curds too. I yeah. had that too. Like it was crazy. The cheese squeak. Yep. That's exactly. always the sign. That's exactly. like good fresh I was cheese so curds. So sick after that. <laughs> my first time eating cheese curds, I was disgustingly ill as well. I went to the Minnesota really? State Fair. Well, oh. my my mistake was that, uh, or I've been told it's my mistake. Okay. I don't believe. I think this is the person who told me it. Oh, okay. Is that uh, I ate them at nine a.m., mm. which is the wrong time to eat them. Apparently, maybe that's why I got sick because like, we went to the market in the, morning? in the morning. Yeah. 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 Weird. They nobody gave me a time that I was you know, supposed to eat either. these. It's not like that. gremlin rules. It was like you. It was just when you go there, you must eat cheese curds. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. Found same. cheese curds. <laughs> done. I did it. Let's do it. <laughs> and then it was like all I could put down the rest of the day was like Sprite and water. I was like, that's, that's it. So terrible. It was just. I was like, oh, this is the worst. <laughs> I was like, uh, this is. So you yeah. had a similar experience with oh, yeah, cheese curds. Definitely. Well, maybe it's because also you don't you can't eat. No, yeah, it was dairy. super sick too. <laughs> Not the yeah, greatest place to go if you're like and lactose. Went to the Bratfest. <laughs> Have you been to that? I've never heard of oh, this. Man, it, it sounds was, amazing because I love awesome. brats. It was all brats. It, they were selling shirts that had like rhinestone brats on them. What? It was amazing. <laughs> what does that mean? And they had like a specific ice cream flavor that was like brat specific, but it didn't taste like brats. It was really weird. It was this like, sounds terrible. It was like red this and yellow awful. like tie-dye ice cream and oh. it was like the special brat fest flavor. What does that and mean? I don't know. I don't even know what it tasted like. I got a cone for free, but like it was not... I don't remember what it tasted like, but it was fun. It was a good time. Oh, yeah. I can. So that's I Wisconsin. So yeah, I walked around with those girls in Peru. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Like I said, I think after the six months, I felt much more like I'm comfortable here. Great. I can speak the language. I can speak slang. I understand what people are saying. I know where I'm going. I know what buses to that's get an onto. Important thing, yeah. Oh, and because it's not clear in Lima, I don't know if you've been. I've never been. I would love. I, I haven't but been to too come, many places down there. And they just like. Hustle you. They just yell at you and they're like, get on my bus, get on my bus, there's a seat in the back, there's a seat oh, in the back. Oh, yeah. And like, but it's like, where's the Philippines is like It's that. like, is this bus going to like point A? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah get on get the in, bus. Get in. Yeah. And you're like, okay. <laughs> where do you want to go? We're going there. Exactly. Except we're not going there at all. <laughs> you know, and like, it's your fault for like getting on the bus. Yeah. So, yeah, so like, that was huge. Being able to like know where I was going. And there's like, no Uber down there. N- no. I wonder if there is. There has to be now. Be I'm no- pretty sure there is now. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure there is. <laughs> I'm sure. I actually, I should ask my friend Alan. The he, bus business would flip out. <laughs> the bus business is flipping out. Well, they just like upgraded their transportation in the oh, last, yeah? past couple of years. Yeah. There's a couple buses that called the Metropolitano, I think. They're like official buses. Yeah, they're city buses, which is a huge difference. They're like platforms. You have like swipey cards, whereas before you just like fucking grab a bus and like throw some change at the guy that's taking your money. Take my money! Get me here! Why are we going here? Uh, so yeah, it was a, uh, it was good. It was, it was a great year. I was, by the time I was leaving, I was like, did not want to go back to the U.S. And I, that came right back into like the heart of Manhattan. I, <laughs> I flew in. And, That's like, always a uh, yeah. Went directly to Murray Hill. It's a nice slap in the oh, face. Oh my god! Right? I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ! There's so much stuff, and it's so crazy here. It is. It's real so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We. Uh, so I moved up from North Carolina. Mm. And uh, we, we took a trip into the city, and it was, like, one of our first trips back. <clears throat> and, because I grew up around the area, but, like, you just, North Carolina, obviously, way different culture North and pace. North Carolina. Yeah. So you Shout go to, pa- to New Pete York, Pablo. <laughs> uh-huh. and you get on the subway. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's just, like, the door's closing, bing, bing. Mm-hmm. Door's closed, and then they open back up, and then they oh, close, and they open right, back right. up. And the announcer gets on, and he's like, 
Who the fuck is opening the door? Who <laughs> stop holding on the goddamn door? We need to get the I'll fuck going. We need to get want. the fuck going. I'll sit here if I'm you right want. Here. I'm just like, welcome back to New York. This is it. That's so great. Yes. We're back. That's hilarious. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes. I was like, this is it. We are officially in the city again. Mm-hmm. I was pumped. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you, you couldn't hear anything like that in the South. It's like, I'm sure. oh, God, it's a I've never really been to the South. The first, time I, the first time I've been to the South is like Maryland and D.C. That's not. Which I know in no. Virginia, which is so like not So I think Virginia really is where south. the South begins. But to it's me, like that's not where it even, like even, like Northern Virginia isn't really South. Then I finally went to like West Virginia and I was like, oh, this oh, is the South. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, please let me not get shot out here. Well, I love the history <laughs> of West Virginia is that it was a state created to have another state in the mm, union. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, West Virginia was yeah, your go-to? West Virginia. Whose mm-hmm. tactical idea was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're so. going to make a West Virginia, aside from Virginia, <laughs> and it's going to be a union state. <laughs> no slaves there. Ridiculous. Yeah. Now it's The like, only other southern state uh, I've been to is Florida. <clears throat> that's not the south. Oh, and I went to Tennessee recently. Tennessee is the south. Yeah. I didn't really just see that much of it, though. I went to the Cumberland River. It was beautiful. I don't know what that is. Apparently, it flooded a few years ago. Mm. Um, it's like a big urban river. Mm. There's a lot of people that, I think, businesses that got hurt by it, but I don't I'm think... Sure. I'm yeah. not sure about the communities that got really, like, hit by it, but yeah, it was a big deal. All right. Well, sorry, Tennessee. Did you grow up there in the South? Are you Southern? No, no, no. I grew up in Jersey. Why did you mention that you were in Carolina? You just went there I lived in North Carolina oh, you for lived a while. There. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Then did, we moved back. Did you like that? Is there an adoptee community in North Carolina? I think there is in the Triangle. Like, and I'm sure there probably are in, like, What's actual... The triangle? the Triangle is uh, Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill. Uh, it's, like, uh-huh. where the colleges are, basically. So right. they call it the Research Triangle. There's a lot of businesses out oh, there. because you're a researcher. several different colleges and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I so see. So it's actually, like, pretty awesome out there. Like, Durham especially is kind of up and coming. Um, it, it's super cool. It, that area is awesome. Where That's I was, it was fun. a little bit slower, but uh, that <laughs> area you, is awesome. Where did you live? I lived in a, a town called Southern Pines. Okay, cool. And when we had friends who visited from New York, they would call it Sleepy Pines. Mm. <laughs> it was very quaint. It That's was precious. very, very quaint. That's really precious. Imagine if you had, uh, did you ever see Pleasantville? Oh, 100%. Yeah, so you remember movie. it was like two blocks of really <laughs> yeah. quaint, and then if you drove to the end of the street, you just ended up back at the beginning of the right, street? Right, right. It was like that. It was like that? It Holy was exactly crap. like that. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was wow. very, it was, it was cute. It was a cute it town. sounds like Dillard. Just not a whole lot It reminds on. me of Terrytown. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Sure, sure. Terrytown's adorable. Oh my gosh. I haven't spent too much time out there, but I think I need to go because I, I heard. Uh, I'll go with you if you want. I love it. Please, yeah, I come up. Back. And if you can get us a spot at, uh, was it the? Oh God. What is it? What is it? Uh, the set Stone Barns. Stone oh. Barns. Blue <laughs> at Blue Hill. Blue Hill Farms. I don't know what that is. Uh, there's a Netflix down? series called oh. What a Chef's Table. Okay, yeah, and yeah. It's featured in there, and it's impossible nice. to get a seat. Apparently, really? if you go there at 5 p.m., you can get a seat at the bar. Wow. And still order off the menu. Okay. It's supposed to be amazing. That's cool. But it's like, if I've called and sat on the phone for no an hour trying to get reservations two months in advance because no that's the first out they'll give them, and it's impossible to get a seat. Oh my God. It's impossible. It's like a sport. It's a blood sport. That's nuts. It's a blood sport more than the Van Damme movie. You gotta kumite somebody to get this <laughs> seat. <laughs> Find out who's on the list above you and yes. like then and punt then them challenge down. them to a life or death duel. Oh, I was like thinking just like murder them in their sleep. But. You can do that <laughs> if you're a coward. <laughs> 
Um, all right, so you came back from Peru. It was an eye-opening experience. Come back to New York. Yeah, I was like, you went super, back to Sarah Lawrence. Went back to Sarah Lawrence. I was like super depressed because I was like, what is life? I don't even know what I'm doing anymore, and this is so unfair. I'd like my family so far. And, like, I just had this crazy life-altering experience where everything that I knew was, like, flipped upside down. Mm -hmm. And I got to see the U.S. from afar. And the U.S. is a monster, (laughs) you know? And, like, it just started really... um, I think my interest that I had previously in social work became much more about, like, sociology. And so I started studying that a little more. So that's when you switched over to sociology and anthropology? Yeah, kind of, like, looking at sociology, anthropology, linguistic anthropology. looking at, like, history, looking at, um, like, race in our country... I started doing some organizing on my campus with our Latino identity group, Unidad, and working with a lot of the workers that were mostly the food service workers who were all Latino, and they were largely, like, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mm. um, and then there was also a security force on our campus, and they were all pretty much black and Jamaican, Mm. and then, like, mm, the student body was, like, white, you know, 100%. Sure, I was just Sarah like, Lawrence. I was like, this is fucked up, yo. And so, like, you know, I was just like, no one cares about anyone on our campus. And, like, it's ridiculous because I could tell, like, so many of the students looked down on, like, our our workers, even though they basically made shit run and, like, fed us every day. Yeah. And a lot of them were, like, very well-educated people, had, like, their law degrees back in Puerto Rico. But mm-hmm. because no no one's degrees are ever recognized yeah, like, here, yeah. no one ever takes into account they had to do what they had to do, you know, and make money. And, yeah, it was insane. So... Um, for me, like, I think it definitely started, like, picking up on my lens of justice and just, like, racial inequity. And so I ended up um, kind of accidentally stumbling into this program in Yonkers called Groundwork Hudson Valley. And a friend who was an environmental studies major, she took me to one of their volunteer days. And I had never really like thought about environmental uh, like environment as a as a study Uh because it was just kind of like a part of my life um as far as just like taking care of the planet I guess in general I liked going outside a lot when I was little well I was recycled my mom always like bought things in bulk and like you know we always like yeah like yeah Yeah. pretty much and so like I said like we're in like farmland you know what I mean so that like and my mom's family very much on the Portuguese side like very farming and like they you know as farmers do like know how to take care of the land you know so that was a huge part of my life and so when she took me to this event I was like wow this is really cool like if this is environmentalism like I'm in because they were doing a lot of work on supporting the Yonkers community to address issues of blight and address issues of poverty um, job creation they're doing a lot of intergenerational programs so like hooking up local young kids and like young people with um, older families that weren't able to take care of their homes as much and then teaching mm-hmm. them how to like do maintenance and then like the old folks would like serve lunch and they'd share stories about the city and like their experience so it was really cool like I really really liked it and um, uh, I started volunteering with them a little bit more and just kind of like studying their programs and eventually, once I graduated, um, I decided to live. I went to live in Terrytown. actually. I stayed in New York. And I was planning to, like, be here. I was like, this is, where I think, where I'm going to, like, settle, um, at least for now. And then I ended up getting a job working for an adoptive travel company. 
and I got hired to go to Cambodia. Oh. So, yeah, I was like, I'm going to go to Which Cambodia. Which company is this? <laughs> it's called the Adoptive Family. Well, it's called Ties, the Ties Program, uh-huh. and it's Adoptive Family Travel. Okay. So essentially what the program does, it runs in, I think, over 13 countries now. Um, not always all the time, because it depends on interest and families that are sure, able to yeah. go. Um, and obviously like the year. But essentially they organize about two-week-long trips that are with either adoptees themselves alone or, you know, with their friends and or family. Mm-hmm. They go to their country of origin with other folks from country of their country of origin and do kind of like the touristy thing for two weeks. Um, and there's a few days built in as well for families if they want to or if they're able to, to meet with their birth families or people that related to their adoption story, like foster care, Mm -hmm. um, foster buildings, nannies, whatever that country's kind of setup was, because obviously each country is different in the way that they do that. Do they help with birth search and all that beforehand? Yep. So if that's that's something that you want to pursue, they do that. Obviously, if you also want to pursue that on your your own, you can do that on your own. And then, like I said, they have those days where that's the day that you kind of line yourself up to go have those experiences. So my role on the trips was and is to basically facilitate conversation with the adoptees in the trip and just kind of help them process what they're going through, um, kind of stimulate some conversation around their identity as an adoptee, what they're seeing in the country, the U.S. versus, you know, their um, their home country, expectations versus realities, all these kind of things, and prep them, you know, as well for meeting mm. their birth families or meeting their people related to their birth story and adoption, and also, again, like, afterwards, too. And sometimes I'll talk with the parents as well and kind of, like, <laughs> depending on the type of parent, either, like, chill them out and or just, like, be there <laughs> to support them. All right, well, know? thanks for coming in. We got this from here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I got hired to do that, and it was a really amazing opportunity, so... I decided to take it, but because the trips for Cambodia fell during the winter holidays, it mm-hmm. was in December, those are usually the times that I went home to California to see my mom. So I decided I would move back to California because I was thinking I was going to be working during the year, then working on my Christmas break. I was like, I'm never going to see my mom like ever again. And I really miss her and like being in Peru this past Aww. year made me want to get closer to her. So yeah, I went back to California and... Um, then I, that's when I kind of took my experience working at this environmental group in Yonkers and I found a job similar doing community organizing with Latino communities um, in California around environmental issues. Cool. And that was kind of like the course of pretty much my professional career at that point. And so now you're back in New York. So now I'm back in New York. What inspired you to move back here? I missed a lot. <laughs> Just as much as I miss California, I feel like New York and California like and Peru are like my anchor places. Uh-huh. I feel like I've learned and lived and loved in each of these places. As cheesy as that sounds, like I feel yeah. very, very close to them. They've each yeah. shaped my identity in different ways. Sure. And, um, I was living in D.C. last year, mm-hmm. and I absolutely hated it. Oh, <laughs> I poor <just> D.C. I <laughs> could not take it. What did you like about D.C.? So many things. <laughs> oh, wow. It wasn't for me. It just is really... I remember the first day that I was there and I realized, like, I kind of thought it was going to be like New York. And I got yeah, there. Not quite like I was New like, York, wow, yeah. this is quiet. And it's really yeah. slow. And all the buildings look the same. Yeah. And all the people look the same. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, everybody's drinking. And, like, That's it was true. just, like, it was just not for me. Sure. So there was some, obviously there's some very lovely parts of DC and, and honestly, I think if if I had been to DC, maybe a few years back, it would be a little different. I don't know. 
Why? Just because there's so much of DC has been paved over now. It's yeah. essentially they just throw up historical markers and are like, we're good. It's, it's just like it was so unsettling. Yeah, it was so unsettling for me to be in a place where everyone that I spoke to mostly on a day to day basis like was not from the area. And obviously including myself. Yeah. Like I can't, yeah. you know, hold be like, Oh yeah, I was like this I was special. No, like it was just it, and that's the that's the kind of place that it is. It's been erected for that, yeah. you know, reason now sure. it's being built around that. Um there's definitely every there's a lot of people that have, you know, been born, raised, lived in DC their whole lives, um, but I've only met like three of them, you know. Well New York you can say the same thing about New York. There are very few people here who are like Actual native New Yorkers, right? A lot of people like are It feels different than than in D.C. At least, I mean, like, I think now, too, we're seeing the <clears> shift <throat> in New York. And, like, I was, for my work, I was actually just at this community action where um, a bunch of faith leaders are, you know, trying to convince the mayor and city council to amend the mandatory inclusionary housing program uh, or plan because a lot of it's going to displace a lot of people that yeah. have lived here for yeah. a long time. Well, it's been happening a lot lately. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I I see it happening. It's been happening, like you were mentioning, in Brooklyn and, and other places. And it's it's sad because you yeah. lose so much of an identity of a place. And I think place holds a lot of it's yep. charged with a lot of history. It's charged politically. It's charged in every way. So. Yeah. It's tough, but I did. I I do like the pace of the city, and I do like the history here, mm-hmm. especially being in the Bronx. I I always grew up. I never come about up here. It. I only come up here for uh, Yankee for games, podcasts, dinner with podcasts. adoptees. Yeah, <laughs> dinner with adoptees. That's your show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been great. Like I'm happy to be back, and um, and yeah, I just I feel more comfortable being in this city, to be quite honest. Yeah, well, it's. I think especially, you know, even with the gentrification, I, I feel like for minorities, it's certainly an easier <laughs> yeah. city to be in. <laughs> yeah, I think so. There's not very many Latinos in, in D.C. There's obviously a growing population. There's a, a, been an influx of, of, I think, immigrants from El Salvador. Oh, really? And, yeah, other places. In, in Maryland, in particular, there's a mm. really huge community of Mexican immigrants, too. Um, and in Virginia, obviously, it's been like that that population is like basically mushroom clouded and is pretty much mm. now a swing state. The Latinos have a lot of power to oh, yeah. decide. Yeah. Hasn't Who's... been gerrymandered to death. Probably. <laughs> it's so it happened it's in North Carolina. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And like North Carolina is another state where there's a tons of Latinos oh, growing man, out there yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's good to be back. I'm going to California next week actually to, for work, but also to see my mom. That's nice. Yeah. It's really nice. I'm super pumped. Yeah. It's good. So what are you doing uh, here in New York now? You said you had to give a special shout out. Oh, well, not for my job. Sorry, job. But <laughs> <laughs> um, my job's cool. But I am currently a board member for the Gift of Identity Fund, which is mm-hmm. the sister organization to the Ties program, which I was mentioning earlier. Uh-huh. And essentially, the Gift of Identity Fund was created so that there would be some type of a scholarship machine, a funding machine for, um, or I guess mechanism is maybe a better word, so that adoptees can have scholarship money to go travel to their birth countries because oh, that's obviously awesome. traveling international is extremely expensive. Yeah, finding people that it's will help you too. search for your birth family often can come at a really high cost. Yes. Um, looking into like lawyers or other mm-hmm. um, general costs like that that are associated with your birth family search are are it's just money. It's money all around. It's a huge money pit. Like yeah. a, a, the post adoption process is like something that is still so much being built out, you know. Well, it's services. just resource intensive in general. Absolutely. 
So, um, yeah, so Gift of Identity Fund, essentially we raise money to support adoptees to visit their birth countries. And, you know, I wish we could just give, like, just making it rain on, like, you know, the post-adoption <laughs> world. But we're still pretty, we're still pretty um, struggling, I guess I would say, to, to really make sure that we're honing in on our donors and, and building our base out. But mm-hmm. um, as a part of making sure that we are doing that, we are in the search right now for an intern. We really, really need a marketing and kind of like communications fundraising intern. And so, so if you're in Sarah Lawrence yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a person that has free time, also happens to be an adoptee, maybe like eight to 10 hours a week. Are you looking like specifically for nothing, an adoptee? Nothing heavy. I personally am advocating for an adoptee to be in this position because there we have a board like I said I'm on the board and there's two other adoptees that are on the board with me one is a Korean adoptee one is a Colombian adoptee um, oh, awesome there's also a parent of a of an adopted person there's um, two staff members from the ties program and then there's another woman who I think is also an adoptive parent mm-hmm. um, but I think what our organization really needs is more of a stronger adoptee voice I think that the reason why gift has been struggling in some ways is because we haven't really been tied into the other adoptee led groups because to be quite honest you know gift of identity was not founded by an adopted person it wasn't founded by an adoptee um it was founded by very well-meaning people that are engaged in sure. the adoption services world and our adoptive parents um and like i said i i said at the same time as much as we can appreciate that good intention that really only gets you so far and i yeah. think that my fellow adoptees and i on the board have been really trying to advocate to make sure that we have a stronger adoptee voice and mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been working with our other team members, our, our board, to get to the point that we are at this point, and it's been really exciting to be a part of that process. And they are so open and willing and ready to take direction from us as adoptees and adoptee community. And they know, I think, oh, just as much as we know that, you know, we need to build stronger bridges between yeah. the adoptee-led communities. Um, because now there's so many great, you know, adoptee professionals and spokespeople mm-hmm. out there that are, you know, either doing really great academic work or they're leading in social workspaces or they're creating, you know, digital outreach platforms like We're all over the place. We're taking over. Exactly. (laughs) So it's fantastic and would love to support another person that is looking to be a part of the post- adoption services world or the adoption professionals world to be mm-hmm. to be able to get that experience this is a great opportunity i would personally be supervising them so as well oh. so they wanted to work so with watch me out, interns. <laughs> then i would be a very strong advocate for them and and their voice and making sure that that gets out there so, so they're not just going to be making uh tea and roasting <laughs> and roasting mushrooms marshmallow, marshmallow. Mar- i mean we could roast marshmallows too. roasting marshmallows or mushrooms <laughs> Yeah, it's really important work. It's been super exciting. The adoptees that we've given grants to that have gotten to travel to their birth countries. Where have they gotten to go so far? um, Everywhere so far. I think like Korea. I think it's been Russia. I think it's been the Philippines. Um, There's been a a various amount of countries. China, I think, as well. Cool. Um, And we have little videos up on our Vimeo page (laughs) from some of the adoptees. All right, so where do you find all the digital content for Gift? Gift of Identity Fund is on Facebook. And there's, I did a, try to do a good job of curating some awesome, like, post-adoption 
adoptee-centric stories that are, like, either films or just kind of, like, general resources mm-hmm. on that page. Also, we have a website, but to be honest, we all know right now it's in very weak repair, very weak state. We need some repair. And so that's why also you intern, future intern out there would so if you're be an intern very web crucial developer. to that. <laughs> yes, we need you. Um, but giftofidentityfund.org, and it's gift of identity fund. <laughs> yeah, but you can just Google it, obviously, and okay, it'll pop so up. Give it a little Google. Yeah, Do you we, guys have like we a don't have Twitter? a Twitter. No we don't Twitter? have a Twitter right now. No, we don't no have Instagram. a Twitter. We don't have an Instagram. Um, Facebook is cool. I don't know at this point in time. And then we share a Vimeo page with the Ties program. So you can look up the Ties program, and then there's a playlist of Gift of Identity uh, videos. So how do you look up the Ties thing. program? Just go to Vimeo and then search the Ties program, and it should pop up, and it'll be uh, like a green logo, and that's us. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really excited that I got to share that opportunity because I'm really, like I said, it's something that I'm no longer in that space of like social work and working in post-adoption anymore. I'm much more in kind of the organizing and um, environmental advocacy space. But it's something that I still am really passionate about. And I think it's super important. And I know how crucial it was for me to go to visit my birth country and then not just that, but to come back into a community of other people that had mm-hmm. done that. Um, there was barely anybody that I knew when I got back to New York. I was like desperately seeking people out. Um, yeah. because I was it just can be like, a lonely city if you don't know anybody. Someone talk to me about adoption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like I was really excited because I went to this adoption conference at St. John's. And I think it's oh, like an nice. annual thing. Yeah. And like pretty much that was the best thing I could have done. I volunteered for it. And cool. I got to meet like Steve Kalb. I got to meet Stephanie Krippa, oh, Cooper yeah. Luter. I got to meet meet um amy fielman i got to meet a bunch of adoptees uh like that are kind of you know known in the professional so space. all of them should listen to this podcast yeah, as guys, well, and then in. interview Y'all. and uh, <laughs> tweet it out or yeah whatever. of course <laughs> come on guys i know you're out there there's so many other people that i could list too that i just don't remember all their names but i got to meet a lot of them through that experience that's and, awesome and that was huge help because i think i didn't even realize like that world existed before i went to that conference yeah i feel like i don't know what the exposure issue is with uh, yeah, i don't know or these organizations and it, it's tough because it's like you mm-hmm. want to you're trying so hard to get the word out there mm-hmm. and you're doing all the things they say to do with social media <laughs> and the marketing and all that but it's just like well, that's what i'm saying you got to have that like person-to-person relationship yeah you. yeah it's tough it's tough out there well yeah. look i'm really excited and happy and congratulate you and yeah. thank you for coming on the show thank you for having and me and being the first Thanks non-korean Woo! i did it show. you did ooh, it ooh. You sure did being peruvian or adoptee now. <clears throat> yes. I'm super excited to get some more non-Korean adoptee voices on here. Yeah. Sorry, well, sorry, Korean adoptees, but you know I love you. I told Mike when I before I got on this podcast, I like got indoctrinated into the Korean adoptee culture. Yeah. Because I went through Holt Camp as unofficial. a counselor. That's right. <laughs> so now I can't take any pictures without the peace sign next to my face. Mm-hmm. And, and you listen to I listen K-pop to K-pop to fill your life. Sistar, 21, I know it all. <laughs> you know, Super Junior, I still dance with oh, that. Oh, yeah, Suju, yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't know to that extent. You don't know say, about Suju? Suju. <laughs> I watched, like, the Korean, not drama. Well, I did watch some K-dramas, but I watched, like, this reality TV about Koreans. I don't remember oh, what it was. Man. I remember Jeff them, like. Hulu, you can watch K-pop stuff. Yeah, there's a lot Hulu. of stuff on there. They, I think they made a deal with Drama Fever. You can watch oh, all wow. kinds of all kinds yeah. of shows. So I'm essentially also like a Korean adoptee. So you're pretty much a Korean adoptee. Yeah. 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 So you're actually not <laughs> the first non-Korean adoptee. <laughs> Dang it. I guess not. You lost. 
<laughs> we're gonna need to get other Peruvians on the show, yeah, Colombians. Absolutely. You said with somebody you know mm-hmm. on the board, they should yeah, totally yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, and you said you were looking for other adoptees to hang out with. Other yeah, than, friends, be my friends in New York City. I think we should come to the AK events. Is it gonna be Korean though? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm down. I'm yeah, down. You, look. Don't hate. I'm down. I'm down. Don't hate. We're just the most active. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. There's a lot of y'all. That's why. You all are a huge community. Yeah, but the Chinese are up and coming. Oh, really? Oh, God, yeah. I Korea's didn't died that. down. Oh. <laughs> Korea's. My, the year I was adopted was like the peak. The Chinese And it started to slowly Korean go down, adoptees? and then it like dramatically went down. Oh, and wow. China, like, they just took off. Blew up. Well, yeah, because there was, like, the two-child policy, or the one-child policy, which is now the two-child policy, and it was, like, girls were less favored, so they were, like, oh, yeah. That's crazy. They just, it just recently changed it, and so they Mm -hmm. were, like, well, all the headlines were, like, they got rid of the one-child policy, but it was, like, yeah, but it's still a two-child policy. policy. It's not like it's, like, you can have unlimited kids. It's, like, (laughs) look, the state has so many resources, and there's a billion of you. Oh, my God. But then they realized, we don't have any girls here. How's this going to work out? Right, right, right. That's crazy. Yeah, so the Chinese uh, adoptee community has really kind of, I think, they're the next wave. It's huh. the next huge wave. That's really interesting. Christine, there's going to be no Koreans. <laughs> no, just none. None. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be there's gonna be as many Korean adoptees as probably Korean <laughs> adoptees. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> we have a little network, though. Um, Do I, you? Yeah, I started a group in California based on a culture camp that I went to when I was really young. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was called Nuestra Herencia, well, Proving culture camp and then when we all became like young adults i was like f this culture shit like let's just call it proving <laughs> adoptees because that's what we are all right and like let's all just like hang out so then it was like a very california based group but then you know we launched a website and got on social media as well and cool. so now we're we have a page and it's nuestra and proving adoptees and and literally if you search proving adoptees like that's the only page that'll come up on facebook so if you want to find us you can can, um, I, can i join you can like our Facebook page, but we I'm also, gonna like your Facebook page. We also have a, a Facebook group, and that's more like closed, I guess. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you can join, it's not like we're join. being haters, it's you know, fine. whatever. I get it. Um, but I get it. It's it's a global proving adoptees group, and so cool. it's proving adoptees from all over the world, and yeah. like we keep getting more, and and it's been interesting because of course, like a lot of the proving adoptees that find us now. They're not young kids. They're adults. They're, yeah. you know, in their 20s and 30s, and that's been really awesome. Cool. So, yeah. So, yes, there is a proven community out there. Y'all just don't know about it. You guys have been <laughs> hiding. You've been hiding from us <laughs> with your Spanish language named <laughs> Facebook group page. All yeah. right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I really Thank appreciate you. inviting me over to your home. Well, I could, like ate in front of you. I feel so bad. No, I had a delicious dinner at Charlie's. Charlie's Shout Bar Kitchen. Shout out to Charlie's, man. It was man. awesome. That was Shout good. out to South Bronx. And I just got a sweet happy hour deal. It was oh, two, nice. two beers for one. Oh, that's dope. I good know. deal. It wasn't expensive either. The steak was only like $20. I was that's like, great. This is good. It's a good, it's a good meal. Enjoy. Anyways, the Bronx <laughs> is, I, I got to spend more time in the Bronx show than you the Yankee do. games. You absolutely Although do. Although I'm very excited for this season. We're going to win it this year. We're going to win it. It's going to be like, it's gonna be like the you. 90s all over again. <laughs> I totally trust you. Uh, I don't know. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks. Wait, can I shout out my Insta- my Twitter shout and Instagram? Shout out. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Thanks Where can people find you your work? You asking everyone else to no, shout their uh, stuff out. Find, uh, <laughs> you can find Annalisa Freitas. <laughs> Annalisa Freitas? Yeah. Am I not um, saying it right? Yeah, no, I tried to hold the no R. No accent. It's, no? it's Portuguese last name. Oh. So the accent's going to be on the S. Shh. Freita, shh. I didn't even know that about Portuguese. Yeah, but yeah. Cool. My mom's Portuguese. She's half Azorian and half Cornish. 
Wow. Yeah. And um, we just say Freitas, though. We don't get crazy with don't it. Don't do that-ish. No. <laughs> um, so you can find me on Twitter at doing the most 24-7. Shout out to my friend Juan Theus for coming up with that name for me. Um, you can find me on Instagram at AnnieCakes247. How do you spell that? A-N-N-I-E-C-A-K-E-S-247. <laughs> And um, if you also care about Latinos and the environmental movement, or you're interested to learn more about that, you can follow me on Twitter at Voces Annalisa, V-O-C-E-S Annalisa. And uh, if you want to follow what I do here in New York, I'm on Twitter at Finny Annalisa, F-I-N-Y Annalisa. You got a lot of handles. Yeah, I do. Do you tweet from all those? I do. Man, I I tweet actually from more than that. You are doing the most 24-7. So my friend said, he's like, you're doing the most right now. Why don't you try doing the least? So I uh, no, can't do it. Can't I stop. Have, won't stop. That's why I'm This Twitter handle my private one. And that's <laughs> it. That's more than I can handle. <laughs> I can't even do it. Yeah. Good yeah. for you. So I hope you guys um, find me on there, especially New York City adoptees or other Latino adoptees out there. You should come out to AK events, even though it's mostly <laughs> Koreans. Come hang with us. You know what? You should change that. That'll when? be your new project. What's my new project? Expanding out AK events from just a like <laughs> Korean shit. I mean, I could do that with by inviting a couple friends. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you could do that. I would love to go out for some Peruvian food. I mean, we don't have to do that, but we can do that too. We can do whatever. <laughs> we don't o- I mean, only do Korean really stuff. We do okay, stuff. well, I was wondering if maybe no, no, am no. I only going to eat? There's like know, happy hours. There's not like we're only going to get. Be- I mean, bibimbap's delicious. It is really good though. I, I always can't. get vegan bibimbap. It's so delicious. <laughs> I mean, you're vegan, so we're not going to do... You can't, do you don't come to the barbecues. The or whatever it's called. Oh, my God. I can't eat that. It's too spicy for me. See, oh, God, that's some of my best memories, though, is, like, wow. being in, the, like, the Korean winters, which are frigid. Mm, yeah. But the dokbokki stand was, like, <laughs> it's like an oasis. <laughs> the warmth of the city. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it was, like, a side street car, and, like, Adam was there, wow. and she had the bamboo curtains rolled down. Oh, it was, like, man. so hot in there. <laughs> that's nuts. Oh, God. Anyways, all right. <laughs> We'll plan. We'll Enough plan. with that. Yeah, we should do. We'll we'll plan some stuff out. Otherwise, Sounds come awesome. up to uh, to we'll Westchester. We'll go to Rockland. And we'll walk, go to Rockland. Yeah. Sounds great. You'll love Rockland Bakery. It'll be awesome. Okay, cool. All I'm right. into it. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, and that was the uh, the talk with Annalise Freitas. Busy girl. Busy gal. Got a lot going on. She's got a lot of stuff to do. She's, uh, you know, busy blogging and doing all the stuff at the Gift of Identity and the ELP and the Natural Resources Defense Council switchboard blog and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Versus Veritas. I can't even keep up. I can't even keep up. I don't even know how you handle three different Twitter accounts. That's insane. I mean, it's really crazy. Uh, well, listen, yeah, follow her on Twitter at any one of those uh, Twitter accounts or all three or a, mis- a mix match. Mish, 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 mix match? Mix, mishmash. A mishmash. 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 Uh, uh, of, of Twitter handles. In any case, you can always follow me, The Rambler, at The Rambler ADHD on Twitter. You can uh, like me and share me on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Rambler ADHD. And you can email me. If you want to drop me a line like uh, Michael M. did at TheRamblerADHD at gmail.com, you can always send a, a nice email if you want it read on the air. And, uh, you know, put, put your, uh, we'll go with this. This is going to be the uh, the standard operating procedure uh, if you want to send me an email that uh, I can read on the air. Uh, it's a subject line, you can read this on the air, and, and awesome, and blah, blah, blah. 
And then uh, put your first name and your last initial and where you're from. And I'll, I'll read your kind words on the air if you want to leave kind words. If you also want to leave kind words more publicly than that, uh, leave a nice review on iTunes. You can find me on iTunes. You can subscribe. There's a little subscribe button. That way you can listen to all the episodes uh, now that we have 10 in the can. This is, uh, is going to be good. Uh, you can uh, listen to all the, the backlog ones as well. Uh, Danny Mayori, Holly McGinnis, A.K. Stalin, Skylar Swenson, Jen Kim, everybody. Everybody. You can listen to all of them. Uh, and and uh, listen to the future ones. Have them automatically downloaded to your device. I'm not sure how the Android app works. I heard you can get the... Uh, you can listen to it on uh, Pocket Cast and Podbean. Um, those are accessible. And then uh, the last two episodes are always available on SoundCloud.com slash TheRamblerADHD. So those are all the places that you can find it uh, if you want to subscribe and listen to more. Not just this one, which I suggest you do because there, there are some good uh, interviews on there, okay? All right. Uh, songs today are by a collective effort at SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash a collective effort music. Uh, and other music comes uh, courtesy of Needle Drop Records by the band The Bell. That would be the, the first song you heard. And then the last song is, is uh, Ben Kaz at a collective effort. So enjoy the spring weather. Holy crap. Do you know how nice it is out today? I know I always talk about the weather. It's going to be like, this isn't going to age well. But it, it's like pretty much 60 degrees today. It's 60 degrees today outside here in New York. And that's just insane. So go outside. Take your dog for a walk. If you're listening to this while you're walking the dog, then good. Good for you. Uh, you know, enjoy the weather. Go outside and enjoy the weather, especially if you have kids or something like that. Because they need to be outside doing kid stuff. I need to start taking allergy medicine soon. I can already feel it. I can feel it. Ugh. I need to get my Flonase. I need to get the Flonase. Anyways, you guys have a great week. Join us next week when I interview my guest, Ben Hauser, all the way from Korea. I didn't go to Korea this time. We just Skyped. In any case... Uh, you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week on The Rambler. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>